This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. moments with some well-known people. I am Jim Daly and joining me through the power of Zoom slash the internet slash magic um, it is the one and only Giles Paley Phillips. Hello to you. Hello slash hey. the guitarist <laughs> in Guns N' Roses and also the name <laughs> word used for when you need a piss. Indeed. Very true. Very true. Mm. Good. We are. We, and we are... when you want to cut something as well slash and also uh, one of the keys on the keyboard. One of the keys on the keyboard. Yes. Slash. Language is amazing, isn't Back it? Slash or front slash. Words. Words have different connotations, particularly in the English language as well. Very Lots of words that are yeah. either spelt the same or which, say, say the same. Which actually, if you're someone whose English is not the first language trying to learn it, must be mm. a bloody nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a difficult language sense. to learn. I think yeah. it is a difficult. What's the easiest language to see? I thought that um, Germany might Germany German <laughs> German might be quite an easy one to learn. Uh, my mate Rob grew up in Germany. He can speak German. I'll ask him. I don't know. I have to ask old Susie Dent. She knows a lot about the German language. Actually, she studied. If you're it, talking about language in any. Any language, she is your go-to person. Yeah, exactly. So, baby, ask Susie what the episode best... three of the Blank Podcast. Smooth, very good, nicely done, nicely done. Well, this is episode one o something. One o something. We've lost count. I've lost count. We're not even counting now. No. Um, yeah, one o something. But what a fantastic guest! Oh, I think this is one of the nicest guests we've ever had. Um, a brilliant actor, a really mm. nice guy, a massive Hull City fan. And just an absolute joy to talk to for an hour and a bit. Um, 
I was teasing you up then to, to, oh, sorry, to do sorry. the introduction. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I was to terrible. I thought we could do this a bit. Is, um, this is why we'll never get a Radio 1 show. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's the brilliant Harry Lorty, who um, probably best known for his role as Robert in Industry, which came out sort of the, the, the end of last year. Mm. Uh, fantastic program. I actually really, really liked it. I really, really loved the show, actually. Um, it was really great. It was. It's a very intense show. It's about the international finance uh, industry, um, and it's sort of you know the, the hub of it in this um, uh, large banking establishment mm. um, where there's like an investment bank that these guys work for, and there's five grads, and it's basically them kind of working not it's not an internship as such but it's that that postgraduate placement and they're all trying and all sort of vying for a permanent position and it's the the sort of cutthroat nature of it but also the the relationships of these five characters and that's the sort of really fascinating part of the um of the program and and as harry alluded to on the show it's very much coming of age mm. drama really in essence but there's this sort of backdrop of this high intensity sort of finance world it's very different from my post-grad placement i didn't really have one i just did i did was work, that phil courier was it I did, not quite i did work experience at the, the independent on the sports desk towards the end of my course and then just like didn't leave i just sort of hung around like a bad smell until they gave me a job um mm. but it was i mean it certainly wasn't the sort of high-powered finance industry that harry's character works in it was mostly sort of typing up press conferences about manager steve bruce talking about why his left back's injured it's very different. you know <laughs> we're in different industries here we're in different well, worlds yeah but funny enough though we do talk about the sort of you know harry's a big football fan and actually you know some of his mm. like his work his acting work he you know there's the, the certain sort of analogies with football as well, you know, so um, and that kind of performance aspect of it. So that was that's an interesting kind of take on mm. it. So yeah. there is a lot. We do talk about football a little bit on the podcast, um, as we normally do. We try and get it in. Well, don't we? any guests uh, that can sort of equate their work in football analogies is going to be one of my favourites. Exactly, exactly, like, exactly. Come on again. That's great. But Harry's been in loads of other things as well. He's got there's a show on Netflix that's coming out recently, and you know he does a lot of theatre work. I know he's done a lot of theatre work in the past. So yeah, he is certainly someone to look out for. He's a tremendous. Tremendous actor, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be very sought after. He's going to be a star kid, and we had him on the podcast, you know, oh, uh, yeah. uh, at the start of that journey. Now he's, um, uh, this is, I think, this, I think you will fall in love with Harry. I think if you're someone that doesn't maybe know of him, listening to this podast because he's just really, really nice uh, yeah. and absolute pleasure to talk to. Uh, I think, yeah, lovely, lovely. in fact, I'm confident. I think he's going to become your new favourite actor um, because he was just an absolute joy to have on. So I think we should just delve into it. I think we should, but I do think we should do a maybe do a tweet first. Oh, we should! I'm hundred and something episodes, and I still forget to do the tweets at the start. Yeah, and uh, and, and the thing is, listeners, we haven't been talking about this off air for the last ten minutes. <laughs> exactly, literally looking for the tweets as well. The is, we're doing we're doing a later than normal recording, so this, this is it. We're both yeah, we're quite fatigued. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, had late weird, in the day, I had a weird yeah. nap today that sort of threw me off. It's thrown you off, hasn't it? Off, I've got a lovely tweet here from Slee Parish. She says, "Hi, just been listening." to some podcasts by The Blank Pod. Some really interesting interviews. Lovely to hear different people and ideas brought together by Giles and Jim. Highly recommend a listen, and you must share. 
Oh, that's so very nice. You, the, reason I, the reason I laughed a little bit there is because it sounds like uh, one of our previous guests, Steve Steve Parrish, maybe, <laughs> yeah. um, as it's a sort of, sort of pseudonym. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the episode of Steve Parrish was particularly interesting. <laughs> then I'd be like, mm, that's That Steve. would have been good. That would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, um, it's the sort of thing where, I don't know if you've ever had any kind of a, a bot account. It's the bot account name, isn't it? Mm. I had James... James Paisley Phillips once. Oh, what? So someone created a bot account of you? Yeah, it was my <gasps> face, but it was James Paisley Phillips. Okay, that's um, weird. They use my name. That's yeah. Anyway, it wasn't me. That it wasn't, wasn't you. No, yeah, let's put it out of there. But Slee Parish could be Steve, could be the bot. Yeah. Got the bot version of of, of Steve Parish. Um, no offense to Slee. Um, no. I'm sure this is not a bot account, and um, we really do appreciate your kind words. So we thank do. you. It's really nice. It's lovely I hope to we haven't lost that. you as a listener. No. Now. And thank you for asking people to share it because that is nice as well. Because I think when when you give a personal endorsement like that, people are more likely to share and get on board. And if it brings one person back on, you know, to the podcast, we really appreciate that. So thank you, Slee. Sorry, sorry for me derailing your lovely tweet there, um, but we do appreciate it massively. I've got one here from Emma Blackwood. And she, her, her Twitter handle is M's11 with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven M's, six M's. Anyway, um, she's put husbands watching the football for a change. Uh, so I thought I'd listen to Black Pod for the first time. Great chat with uh, Lorraine Kelly. Look Lorraine, forward to listening. love Lorraine. What an episode that was. Look forward to listening to some others in the coming days, weeks. Nice to have something else to do of an evening. And then she's followed up with another tweet. Saying, funny to listen to it when it was recorded at the start of lockdown last year. Talking about how Lorraine hopes we don't come out of lockdown too quick. And here we are still a year on. I'd forgotten that mm. we recorded with Lorraine almost a year ago. Um, yeah, it doesn't we're in a seem that long world. ago, does it? It doesn't, but we doesn't are in a different know. world now. And we were, I think we all were not too sure what would happen with lockdown. But obviously, we're back in it, you know, for lockdown three. The, you know, the, yeah. the one after the sequel. Uh, 2.1. 2.1 uh yeah that's what my kids are calling it 2.1 2.1 yeah well I they like don't that. feel like the last one was was, was a proper. proper okay fair so enough. this is 2.1 yeah. i'm gonna call it that that actually makes it that actually makes it feel not as bad actually that actually makes yeah. it feel more bearable um okay anyway look shall we now introduce <laughs> this week's guest uh this is uh just the delightful harry lawty on the blank podcast whereabouts are you whereabouts is it um so they they live out in like oxfordshire i suppose but um i normally yeah. just say oxford but um so yeah we're near kind of whitney if you know i don't know but um, okay but uh yeah i mean I've 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 been living here kind of well not this year last year, um, when when everything sort of kicked off, um, I was really lucky actually I was really fortunate because I, I was living with a mate in London at the start of 2020 because um, he had a spare room and um, but it was only supposed to be sort of like a temporary thing, and so it was always the plan that I was going to move out on the 20th of March, um, and so I did and my plan was oh I'll, I'll head back to mum and dad's for a couple of weeks find a new place in london and then and then move back in <laughs> and obviously went into lockdown on the 23rd so i kind of just stayed and i'm yeah. still here yeah yeah, um, so, yeah. Oh, what's man. that been like has it been all right um yeah it's been really nice actually um in a, in a lot of ways you know it's been years and years since i've lived with my parents um 
quite a long since I was like 13 I haven't lived in them really and so it's been it's been really kind of refreshing in a way and it's definitely one of the things I'll, I'll look back on and and kind of treasure I think really because you know you just don't get to with work and stuff like that you don't always get to spend that much time with them and and uh you know I've certainly like fallen into the trappings of like being yeah. a kid at home again <laughs> which is which is probably not a good thing um but uh yeah I try I try and do a few chores as well and do my bit but um but yeah it's been really nice to spend all this time with them actually yeah I think because I actually think that's one of been one of the things of lockdown so we, we've moved me and my wife have moved back in with her mum that was always our plan anyway but that sort of got sped up by lockdown and my parents are down on the south coast in, in Chichester and um, oh, right, okay. uh, obviously haven't seen them. We've got a daughter who's 15 months old. So they saw her for a bit and then lockdown happened right. and then they sort of haven't seen her apart from on Zoom. And the whole sort of, you know, it's like your parents, like you're like, oh, I'll ring, I'll ring my mum in a bit or oh, I'll see them in a bit yeah. and then you don't. <laughs> and then with lockdown, you're like, oh, shit, I really do need to see them more often. I think for me, it's like strengthened <laughs> yeah, yeah. that relationship a little bit more actually and make me realise sure, how important sure, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think is I think that's true. Everyone like even I've got an older brother, and uh, he lives in Bristol, and so we haven't seen him that much throughout this year. He kind of came back and and stayed with us for a couple of weeks around the sort of the middle of of um, of last year. But even even with him, like he facetimes more than he ever did before. I think you know, and I end up kind of speaking to my brother like a lot more than I did before in a way, which is really nice because I think everyone feels a bit more inclined to just sort of stay connected. I suppose yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's that sort of irony that the fact that we aren't with each other and can't be together, but we've actually be, we have connected more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. just a weird sort of paradox yeah. that we find yeah. ourselves in. Anyway, I was going to say I was going to start because um, I've just binged industry, <laughs> which I thought was was absolutely fucking amazing. I was really like just blown away by it, actually it's the best thing i've seen in a while oh thank you very much and, um, very no fine. yeah and and you're fantastic in it man um what i was going to say is one thing about it i thought and i'm going to say this in the nicest possible way this it's quite shakespearean in a way and and why i say that is that quite a lot of the stuff in it i didn't really understand right yeah um but, <laughs> <You're> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like the fight the international finance stuff right that 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 kind of went over my head but the relationships and obviously like the, the you you five kind of uh grads that stuff was so compelling and obviously that's kind of the point of it but um with regards to the finance stuff did you have to go like before when you were preparing for the role did, were you shadowing people did you get involved in doing anything like um, that or was it just a case of let's just wing it <laughs> yeah i mean we, we yeah <laughs> there's there definitely a bit of winging it in there but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah we did a bit of that um so we kind of spoke to a few people from within the kind of the real life uh, finance world and obviously uh, did our own research individually. Um, and so I, I tried to sort of quiz up as much as I could on that kind of stuff. But we're really fortunate in a sense that the, the, the two guys who wrote the show, uh, Mickey and Conrad, uh, they're, they're former bankers themselves um and and fairly recent former bankers you know it's, it's, and it's not a particularly well-trodden path you know <laughs> going from international finance to screenwriting but they've managed to yeah. managed to like do it all right but uh but yeah so they were our kind of showrunners showrunners in essence so they were there all the time and whenever we were really struggling with something or um or just trying to clarify what things meant they were always on hand to kind of um let us know which which way to go and and um and just in general kind of oversee they, they were really keen to get the details right because it's their workplace and they know that they'd have former colleagues yeah, and friends yeah. who were going to watch it. Yeah, and yeah. so they really wanted it to be uh, true to life. And and it really was like, you know, 
a lot of the show is set on that that big trading floor that you see. Mm. Um, I mean, that set was just like mind blowing in its kind of uh, size and scale, but also just like the detail was just ridiculous. You know, on on my character Robert on his desk, for example, he's got like uh, business cards that say my name, and each each of the eighty desks have their own kind of little personality and. And so um, they were really keen to oversee all that and, and make sure it was um, it was true to life. But I used to give them stick actually, to be fair, because my, I, I I barely get any uh, any banking jargon in the entire eight episodes. <laughs> so, so after a while, I was like, "You guys are not dealing with any of this stuff." Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess your character's slightly different in that you know you kind of is the personal relationships that you make. Yeah. Um, with with the clients, and that's kind of obviously part of Robert's kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's trying I to make those so, connections. Yeah. It's, it's maybe almost kind of poignant that he doesn't have a lot of, uh, or we don't see him doing a lot of actual work because <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's part of his uh, idea going into this internship that you know maybe an outdated idea that the, the kind of skills that he thinks are going to be relied upon, you know, the, the kind of skills that he thinks are going to be relevant, like uh, charming people and and showing them a good time and and just being a slightly vague but generally charismatic figure you know he thinks that's going to be enough and he thinks that will suit him and um and he comes into a into a workplace which is like literally in evolution you know and and that's kind of a big theme of the show is this this whole industry is being encouraged to kind of move forward and and change with the times and and kind of respond to cultural movements and there's certain people within the bank that are forcing through that change and there's certain people that are resisting it and, and like things as they are, you know. Mate, and, um, um, vague but charismatic is essentially how I've got through my entire life and career. So, <laughs> <laughs> they are two skills that you can combine and they will get you through anything. Uh, so I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, I think he, he's maybe in the process of being found out, I think, in the show and um, and those kind of, things catching up with him because there are certain people at this workplace who believe it is a meritocracy and you know you and it it's not about who you are or where you come from or what you're bringing to the table it's about just how well you can do the job and um i think he's slightly ill-equipped in, in that sense god i i, I sound so much like me oh, no, I'm trying to be so much this character. <laughs> uh. but you know it's also it's a difficult time in life i think in like that we've talked about this on the pod with other people actually we talked to chris addison quite a lot i remember jim about um being a graduate and like yeah. going out into the world of work or, 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 or pursuing a career and actually how difficult a time that is. Cause you're still kind of, you're, you know, you're pretty young still, but also like a bit clueless. Maybe you, you, you might go into something. I mean, obviously the, the guys in it, you know, you, you five characters in there are particularly wanting to get into that, um, into that industry. Uh, but, sometimes people go into things that they may not necessarily want to go into yeah. or they're going into them for the wrong reasons. So it's just a difficult time of life. Yeah, absolutely. In general. Yeah. And I think the sort of, hopefully our show really is, is in essence about that more than anything else, you know, mm. like obviously, as I say, the writers are, are working from experience, but really they wanted to make a coming of age mm. TV show, you know, yeah. more than anything. The, the, the bank is just a kind of, uh, cauldron for all that to kind of accelerate and, and go yeah. on and, and come into focus. But really, as you say, it's just like five young people working out who they are and, and who they want to be and, and how they want to be seen. And, and um, you know, it's just, it's just a very intense kind of environment to be trying to figure that stuff out in, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. God, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm not a financy person 
at all. My dad is an like, chartered accountant for f- 45 right, years. Be, so I, I literally got none of that. Like, such, a, such a failure, disappointment. I got none of that. He still does my tax return now. It is embarrassing. I'm 36. That should not be happening. Um, but that... Um, it's funny, isn't it? We're obsessed with coming-of-age movies and TV shows, aren't we? Like, I think, as a, as a society. But that sort of period in your life, like, when you're that age, it seems so important. Like, just everything seems so... Matters so much, and then you get a bit older and yeah. look back, and you think you're just a kid, and it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Like you can do mm. other stuff later. You can change your mind. Like you can yeah. try another path. Like it's, it's just. I I remember being that age and thinking, oh my god, this matters so much. But I, and I don't know where that comes from because it because it really doesn't. Yeah, and it's so true to life, and I I've thought that as well. Like it's, I, I remember thinking when I was coming out of uh, school and and then drama school and that that you think you realize you're only as valuable or as, or, or as things are only as important as your last achievement. You know, when you, when you're doing GCSEs at the age of like 16, whatever, like that's the be all and end all. And then you do A levels and like, God, what was I worried about? And then you start real life. You think none of that mattered at all, you know, in some ways. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm I'm constantly, you know, I kind of see that in my own life as well. And I think, the show is like just putting that into into huge focus and it just blows things out of proportion like there's 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 young people in the show who do crazy and irrational things that that, that they haven't thought, thought through but they're just kind of caught up in a moment you know mm. going back a bit then what was school like did you enjoy school were you academic uh yeah i i, I love school actually to, to be fair and not that i was you know I, I was decently academic but i wasn't like um like uh like crazily academic but i just i just liked being at school i just i always thought it made me a bit weird actually but the, the day i was always like, the day i was always most excited on in a year was the day before the end of the summer holidays because i was <laughs> really? bored on summer holidays yeah because i just i like the idea of like going back and seeing all my friends yeah. and like like playing football in uh, break times mm. and and you know like just clowning about like I just like being amongst people, I think. And and for that reason, I always just love school. It's why I like um, working on a set now. I think it's, my, it's probably my favourite thing about being an actor, maybe, is just the actual workplace itself. Is There's so much happening and, and there's so many people there. Um, but yeah, I, I love school. I think I, I was really lucky in a set as well. I went to nice schools, I think, like, and I don't mean like uh, like incredibly academic or impressive schools, just schools where there was a nice atmosphere and, and, and kids were nice and, uh, you know, and I think that's that's just potluck, really. I've got mates who who were bullied at, at, as kids or things like that, and it just completely skews your experience. You know, I was just really lucky in that sense. And um, but yeah, I, I had a good time at school. Yeah, it's, it, it is pot, it, potluck is a good way of describing it because really every kid should go to school and have a nice time and like, meet like-minded yeah. people and want to go and enjoy learning and stuff. But, but you're right, some yeah. some kids end up in schools and, and a lot of it is like it's postcode lottery as well, you know, and, and which is not, yeah, not yeah, the kids' yeah, fault at sure. all, but you end up in a school maybe not not as good because of where you grew up and stuff and um end up hating it. And and it does shape, I think, the rest of your life in terms of um sort of positions of authority and people, you know, workplaces and, and uh, wanting to learn. I don't know, but I think you're right, it can... So I've just gone on. I've, I've literally just spoken about how being young doesn't matter, and now I'm talking about how being young <laughs> really matters. <laughs> I am nothing if not a huge hypocrite. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it should be. It's it's nice to hear you say that because I think that should be the experience of everyone, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and, and definitely there was some there was some fortune in there. Like I, you know, I had a 
slightly unorthodox kind of uh, school life in a sense that because basically my dad's in the RF, um, he, okay. so he's an engineer, um, and so we, I was my family was posted out to Cyprus like a couple of days after I turned five, wow. and um, so my whole kind of uh, early childhood at least was was in Cyprus really, and I went to like a, a service children's education school out there, and and um, you know there's a maybe that's why I think that there's a different kind of uh, kind of tempo to school out there you start much earlier at like you know seven o'clock and then you, you finish you finish by lunchtime and you can kind of just go out and you know have fun really and and uh, and so yes yeah, yeah it's not bad it's it's pretty good it's and in, in so many ways it's kind of just like because you're on a you're on a british forces camp and it's it's kind of like being in Britain is just so you happen to be in the Mediterranean as well. Slightly <laughs> better weather. Yeah, it's just a, 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 few, a few less rainy days, yeah. How long were you there for then? Um, so I, uh, we moved out there when I, when I was five, as I say, and then uh, I was actually out there until till I was 13. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my parents actually stayed a few years longer than me, but I came back early to, to go to like a theatre school um over here which was um which was, was kind of bizarre the way it happened um really because like i was I, i'd started like secondary school in cyprus and you know cyprus was all i'd ever known like i i i'd never i, I couldn't remember living in england before yeah. that and so for all intents and purposes it's kind of my my home really and the place i most identify with and and um and that culture i suppose and and anyway i was at secondary school and i'd, I'd sort of started uh like taking part in like school productions and and things like that and uh we did this when i was in year eight so i must have been like 12 i think we did this production of oliver twist and uh and my it was just a normal kind of british military secondary school but they just had a, some really enthusiastic like yeah. teachers in the theater department and that, again it's like you say it's potluck yeah. that you just meet these people that happen to like go above and beyond and and um really want to make something of you know not a great deal of uh facilities but um but yeah we did this production of oliver and i just absolutely loved it and had the time of my life and i'm a massive football fan and, and come from a you know big football family and, that, and it was the first time i'd done something that um that felt creative but also had that kind of team element of, of, of football mm. you know it felt like i was part of something bigger than yourself you know which i think is the appeal for a lot of actors and um and had a world of a time and then that summer <laughs> there was a there was like a touring production of Oliver Twist from the West End that like was going around Europe and they did a couple nights in Cyprus oh, wow. at this, at this like amphitheater. Um, and so, you know, me and my dad, we went to watch it cause we thought, you know, we want to see how the proper people <laughs> do it. And, um, and so he went to see it and it was great. And, and all the kids in this, in this show just seemed to be from the same place. When we looked at the program, they all just said this, um, this place called Silver Young oh, yeah, yeah. theater school next to it. And, um, and I was starting to take a real interest in acting at, at school. And, and my dad kind of very hypothetically said to me, like, do you think that's something you'd want to do? And uh, I was like, yeah. And and so then they like very hypothetically sent off an email um, to Sylvia saying, well, what's what's the deal? How does it work? Do you have to audition and stuff? And and they got back a couple of days later saying, yeah, you audition. In fact, we're holding some auditions in a, you know, a week and a half's time. And by complete coincidence we were on holiday in london a week and a half later because it was a summer holiday so we come back and we wanted wow. to take a little mini trip to to london and, and so i went along to audition and and um i managed to kind of get in and then 
and then went really and it was you know it was, it was a mad sort of time because i was i was 13 and from from sending off that email and seeing that production to start my first date at sylvia's was about four weeks Whoa, really. wow <laughs> uh, what, was, what did you do as your audition piece did you do a bit from oliver um i i, I can't remember actually i must have done something i don't know if i i think because you were supposed to like uh, you, you I can't remember. You were supposed to sing, dance, and act, I think, in the audition. I think they wanted to okay. kind of, like, test you on, yes, in all the departments. But um, I think I did this uh, monologue that I'd done at, like, a like a prize-giving thing at my school in Cyprus, where it's this, like, this lad who tells this story from uh, from a day at school, and then at the end he realises that his flies run done the whole time, and it's kind of this, like, <laughs> punchline thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not sure it was that great, but it managed to do the trick. But I can't remember what I sang, actually. But uh, but yeah, and so life kind of changed really quickly. Well, that's, that's, really, that's, that's whirlwind. That's proper sort of whirlwind. Also, yeah. before we go on, we have we do have to also find out who is your football. Yeah, team. <laughs> uh, I'm a massive Hull City fan. Oh wow! Okay, well, are you okay? That. No, yeah. I wasn't expecting, expecting that. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's ever really expected because you can't really tell, particularly from a voice, because I don't have <laughs> I don't have much of an accent. And um, but yeah, all my family are from up north in, in Barton upon Humber, just across the bridge from Hull and there wasn't really much of a choice to be honest. I was like I was a mascot well, away at Macclesfield oh, when I was like three years that's old. Hard and, cool. yeah. That is amazing. So, but you're but you're both well, Palace fans. Yeah. Right? Both yeah. Palace fans, yeah. 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 I noticed Jim's actually I've wearing some Palace colours today. Yet, so. So I still got this. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went away away to Palace a couple of years ago. I went uh it was actually the day that we got relegated. Four, four nil. Oh. Yeah, the four there. nil one. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was there yeah, for that. that. Was a bit yeah. brutal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was actually a good day. Then, yeah, but uh, but we kind of knew we were going down anyway. So there was a there was a big yeah. turnout, yeah. and they just they just sang for ninety minutes basically. But yeah, was... we got an early goal, <laughs> yeah. and that sort of killed it. I think from from Wilf. But I like yeah. I like yeah. I've been to the, the KC once. It was, I think it was I think it was nil nil. Long way to go for a nil nil. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that might, my auntie lives in Hull. Has done for a long time as well. So oh, really? I remember sort of going to the Humber Bridge and. That yeah. was like a day out. <laughs> that was a day out of the Humber Bridge. It's quite impressive. Yeah. But like, and now what? Now we're yeah. going home. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I think it was one. No, they're one of those teams, actually. I, I, I would say I've got a bit of a soft spot for Hull. Like, you know, I always, you know, if they get, if they do, you know, the, the few times they've been in the um, the Premier League, they've, they've, they've sort of become the second team a little bit, I think. Yeah. No, I think there's a there's a certain charm to the, to the team and, and and the place as well. Like you say, a lot of people say, oh, my yeah. so-and-so, or so, oh, I went to uni in Hull or something like that. There's There's often that kind of connection with it and, you know. I, you know, I, my whole life I've just gone up there for Christmas. That's where all my, all my family live, and so I kind of feel like a semi identity to it, but almost like I don't fully qualify in a mm. sense. But like, um, but I really love it as a place, and like, it gets a bit of a bad rap at times. Like, you know, it was, I think it was like voted the worst place to live in Britain four years was running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> like a few years back, wasn't it? Oh, then we had the city of yeah. culture. Yeah, we had the city of culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that maybe turned things around. But there's a few, there's a few nice bits to it. different places when i was younger I, we moved around as well because my dad's job um he accountancy as i said but for a construction company so we lived in spain and dubai and malaysia and stuff like that i was very young i was younger than by the time i came back i was like five six i was younger than when you were out there but do, do you have a sort of split sense of where you feel from or do 
You know what I mean? Like maybe you don't feel yeah. like you're from anywhere yeah. rather than one place. Mm. Yeah, I can I completely do like for sure. Um, I think because as I say, first and foremost, probably Cyprus is my home, but I'm not Cypriot, and I can only speak a little bit of Cypriot. It's not like I'm fluent, and um, but that's kind of where I consider where I grew up. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the, the place I know best. But then, as I say, I moved to London when I was 13, and like 13 onwards, those are kind of your most sort of impressionable years, I suppose, in mm-hmm. terms of like working out your identity, I guess. And then this whole kind of northern side, like all my family, both sides of my family are from this little town up north. And uh, that's where I've always been every Christmas for my whole life. And like it, it, it always resonates whenever I go into like auditions, I'll start speaking and then, uh, you know, just as you do. And then someone say, sorry, where are you from? <laughs> like, like, like your accent is really weird. Cause I, I, I do do all the kind of bath grass, yeah. everything like that, but it's probably not fully uh, embedded in the way I speak. And um, so, yeah, I don't really know half the time, but I, I somewhere in the middle of those three places, I think really. And also, yeah, now my, my family, they moved back from Cyprus about six years ago and now they live in Oxford. And I was actually, I was born in Oxford because my dad worked at Bryce Norton. So, mm. so I'm kind of, Sammy from Oxford as You've well. You've got like probably, the Ollie Gunnar yeah. Solskjaer accent thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. everything. Um, but no, it's a really interesting thing. I I, I don't really know. And if, if anything, I feel kind of lucky that I've got kind of close connections to a lot of places. And, yeah, I certainly mm. feel lucky that, that I was able to grow up abroad and, and just have another culture as like a given in my kind of life, you know. And um, I think that's that's really fortunate, I suppose. Yeah. Harry, what was it like? I mean, obviously, like you were saying, those impressionable years that when you were thirteen, being away from your folks, like being in London, yeah, you know, obviously training and doing your course, was that was that tricky? Was that was that challenging for you? Yeah, it, it was hard to be honest. Yeah, because I was only a kid, really, and like it's two thousand miles away, I suppose. And 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 also, I didn't really, I had no desire to leave Cyprus. Especially, I, I loved my school out there. I, I had great friends and and. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, it was my home, I suppose. And I just, but I kind of just said to myself, like, if I managed to get into this place and, and we could sort of, and we worked out how we could afford going and stuff like that. And with a bit of help from my dad's work. And, and so if, if it all worked out and I, and, and it was going to happen, I kind of just said to myself, you can't say yeah. no, you know, it's, it's mm. you just have to go. And I'm glad I did. Cause it was, you know, it was probably the best decision I've ever made. And I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't started then. Um, but you know, it was, it was a tough call. I remember like uh, about a week or so before I left, my dad said, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. Cause he didn't want, I was, didn't want me like flying back after a month, not being able to to deal with it, you know? So it was, it was tough, but also I, I, the best time as well. Like, um, I, I don't always think about that when I, when I think back to, to going, I think about how lucky it was to be at a school like that and get, a, get an education like that, you know? Um, cause it's a, it's a bit of a dream place to be if that's what you're interested in, you know, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you do academic work and, and you have to keep up with that. Otherwise, um, otherwise there's consequences. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then, uh, and then Thursday, Friday, you just sing, dance, act. And so, and the, the school's on like four floors and, and two of the floors at the top are just kind of like dance studios. And then two floors below are, are um, are, uh, classrooms. And so it's like the school completely transforms on Thursday and Friday 
and um and they have an agency there so when you join the school you automatically join the agency so i kind of started working um as a kid which was crazy and a really weird thing to get used to like obviously it didn't happen straight away but when i did first get there you'd be in a math class as a, like a 13 year old and someone put their hand up and say excuse me miss like i've got to go work now and they're like all right and then they just wow. leave you know and they just go out <laughs> for a day and go and do whatever they're doing you know whether it's a tv show or, or a film or something like that and or, or going off leaving school early because half the kids at the school were doing west end in the evening wow <laughs> like, half, yeah, you, know, half, mad, you? you know half of my mates were actually in my my best mate at, at, at the school was the guy who won the the bbc show wow yeah uh, oh yeah yeah to yeah. be oliver and he was like the longest serving oliver there was in the west end and uh i remember i saw him like on tv when i lived in cyprus and then i get to school and we end up being really close friends like um it's mad my best friend friend to this day jake um he's from scarborough and I, maybe i kind of latched onto him because of that but <laughs> yeah. he, he was on britain's got talent like back in the early days and i remember seeing him on britain's got talent wow. As like a, he did stand-up comedian as routine as like a ten-year-old kid, and I uh, got to like the semi-final, and then I was sort of sat next to him in mass, wow. like a year later, and, and he, you know he's my best friend to this day. But um, so yeah, like getting used to that just different culture of a school was just mind-blowing for me, and um, it was so exciting. And I just used to pinch myself on Thursday and Fridays that I got to go to school and and do that, you know. Um, and so yeah it was great it was it was hard yeah, but it, but it was great and and but it makes you grow up as well you, like you've got to grow up fast um like because I, I was obviously i was away from my parents and i was i was living with like a host family like a uh with a few other people from the school because like the school is mainly like a, a day place um you know they get a lot of kids from london or essex but obviously they need to have something arranged for the kids that they attract from up north like i had mates from scunthorpe and scarborough as i say and so obviously they couldn't commute mm. so they had a few kind of like families that would like host you i suppose and oh, okay yeah the difficulty was is that they'd all go home at weekends obviously on the train and i couldn't go back to cyprus so i was there for seven eight weeks at a time um and but it makes you grow up you know forces you to kind of um grow up faster than you would do otherwise and I remember, they, I, I distinctly remember like a point in my life, maybe around 15, 16, maybe earlier, I don't know, where I just decided, okay, I'm just going to stop being upset at the airport when I go back to London. Because like, it, it, it's tiring after after a while. Like every every six, seven weeks you go home, you spend a week at home for half term and then you've got to do the whole being really upset and crying at the airport and mum's crying and all that. And you think, eventually I just got to a point where I said, this isn't like, practical anymore like i can't do it like this i've just got to grow up and and uh and my my brother moved back to england at the same time as me but he's older he was i think 17 when he came back and most of the kids who grow up in cyprus and the forces move back at some point anyway because obviously there's no jobs for us out there unless you do join the military so it, it becomes unsustainable after a certain yeah. point and so you, eventually people do come back for their for their education for a levels or btec whatever and so I actually ended up moving back at the same time as my brother on the same flight. But my parents had been kind of like planning that for like a year, like what college he was going to go to and what he was going to study. And he went and studied sports science, actually not sports science. He became a, a football analyst. Oh, nice. um, and and so I remember moving back at the same time as him, but he was already there because he was older, you know. And I remember looking at him like, I can't understand why you're okay with this. <laughs> like, like, and why why is it that you're not crying and I am, you know? But then you just realise that's just age, you know, and yeah. it just mm. it it just comes to you at a certain point, and um, yeah, 
it was it was a journey i suppose <laughs> well i mean also well i mean first of all I, I i really hate it when those kids go on britain's got talent to do stand-up because it's always better than me and it's so fucking annoying <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you're 10 how are you funnier than me that is not fair um but also when you talk about emotions and stuff you, you you know you were learning and going into a career where you have to play on those emotions anyway you have to be emotional mm. you know that's that's part of what you do i guess there's a certain control to it but you know it'd be weird if you weren't emotional because that is part of yeah. the job yeah i suppose not that i was maybe intellectualizing it that much at, at, at 14 15 <laughs> i think i was just i was just buzzing to get a job i think back then but um but yeah for sure i think it definitely is a line of work where you've got to be prepared to be available emotionally and it is it does become depending on you know there's, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat but depending on which way you want to go about it, it can become currency i suppose for you in in your work and and fuel it and and but uh but yeah at, at the time i was just i was just riding the wave i suppose yeah. but it's funny you should, it's funny you should say about those comedians of brisco talent it just reminds me because i never let him live it down with really, because obviously <laughs> like, yeah. and also he he was in nativity as well you know the christmas film oh, oh, oh yeah yeah how oh, was he oh, was yeah. he one of the kids he's one of the kids and that yeah how oh, is he which which one he's the one with the individual spike spiky oh, hair with the oh yeah 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 so that's Jake, my mate, and because uh, oh, my kids that. absolutely love film. that movie. It's a, you can't argue with it. No, it's a classic. It's solid. <laughs> like, it's solid. <laughs> it sort of does what it says. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, it yeah. just yeah. it just comes round for him every single year. He gets so <laughs> yeah, he gets so many messages because it's always on telly, and he doesn't he doesn't act anymore. He works at a, a school. And uh, but all his students. That's ironic as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, because all his students like uh, like give him stick for it, and I still give him stick for his great <laughs> talent. His main, I remember, I still to this day, his main joke on that was like, and he's and he's he's absolutely diddy, and he had this broad Scarborough accent. <laughs> He'd say, "I've got a green ball in this hand and a green ball in this hand. What do I have?" Kermit the Frog begging for mercy. (laughs) (laughs) He should not be telling that joke at 10. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think that was what did it. I think that was what... uh... (laughs) Simon Cowell's all over that joke. Amazing. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But there there you go. I love it. Mm. Um, Sorry, didn't mean to make that sound. You can make, mate, if you're, if you're podcast, s- you can make whatever sound you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. All friends here. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, what was um, what were some of those first productions you started doing, though, when you were, you know, when you were, um, you know, you, I know you said um, you were doing, like, Fridays and Saturdays you would be starting to do. Were you preparing for productions that the you were going to be putting on at the um Yeah, it was, at the I school? Mean, it was mostly kind of um, sort of professional work there, I suppose. But it, funny enough, like, the school doesn't actually do that much... Um, like outward performing, they kind of tend oh, to okay. keep it fairly like insular. The kids just do professional work, I suppose. But um, I suppose the 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 biggest thing, which was definitely like something that made it back to all my friends in Cyprus, was like after like three or four months there, I got to be like an extra and a, a very very peripheral extra as well, I should say, on like the last Harry Potter film. Oh wow! Which oh, okay, definitely Hallows. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah. like it was, um, you know, they. The school, like the school got cold basically they took like a hundred kids from like from the school and just like lumped it because it was in the like the very last scene of the last film oh when there's loads of them isn't it yeah yeah and so we we're all just like all the kids getting on the train but like even though i was like one in a hundred like i just as you know i've grown up watching the film so it's just unbelievable you know and um and yeah everyone 
all my mates back in Cyprus like heard about it and they actually thought I was like properly in the film and I come back I was like I'm not like I'm not in the film I was so embarrassed although actually this is a funny story as well like so it was was that scene on on the platform and you know they're all like going to Hogwarts and it's like you know 30 years in the future when Harry's grown up and that and um and I was standing with these like two or three other mates from the school and we'd just been lumped into a crowd like by the train and they're preparing for this big shot this kind of like tracking shot that's going to go all through the crowd and like eventually arrive at um harry and i'm there in this in this big crowd and there's this guy kind of there's loads of people buzzing around doing everything but there's this one guy who's in charge of animals like he's the animals guy and because obviously they've all got like pets at hogwarts and so he's going around like literally like dolling out an owl and a ferret and all that kind of stuff. And I'm standing with these three other guys and uh, this, this chap comes up to me and just hands me a rat in a box and go, here, have this, like, have this rat. And like, I was like, all right, thanks. And then before I have a chance to say anything, he's gone on to the next thing. And so then I'm just stood there for like half an hour waiting for this shot to start holding this rat. I don't really like rats. Like, like, like yeah, they're not the, I mean, like, you know, they're not, it's not, it's, they're supposed to be clean, aren't yeah, they? But I mean, you know, not, it's not what you would have chosen. No, really. No. And so I'm there like holding this rat in this box and it absolutely stinks. And it's got the, like, it's got this <laughs> yeah, like, smell. tail and like, it's just, I'm just not really keen and it's taken ages. And so I say to one of the other guys, guys, it's like, do you got anyone want to hold this rat? Like, I don't, well, I don't really fancy it. And this other lad goes, yeah, I'll hold it. Sure. And then literally about a minute after that, like one of the assistant directors comes up and goes, okay, who's got the rat? Uh, you come with me. And he takes new rat guy all the way to the front and says, okay, when we start the shot, we just want you to literally walk directly across the frame. If that's all right with the rat. Oh, and so literally I saw him, go, saw him go and like true, true enough. He walks straight across the frame. And in the film, you literally see him walk across the camera as the, as the camera's sort of like panning through this crowd. Oh, and, uh, oh man. So never let go of a rat. That's the, that's, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's the moral, I suppose. But what happened to him, though? I mean, what he, has happened to him? Actually, he is an actor as well. And okay, last year, I did uh, I did a small part in this Netflix show that like shot in Prague, and he's the uh, he's one of the main characters of the show. And I actually ended up oh, okay. working working with him for a week. Oh, okay, Weird, yeah. And that was like over ten years later. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. Amazing. And he's still got the rat, I'm probably guessing, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, I was just wondering if there was a, an opportunity for you to steal one of his scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm set with yeah. <laughs> Giles, we have uh, something exciting to announce here in the middle of the podcast, um, and that is that we are launching blank merchandise. It's official. No way. Proper, proper merchandise. <laughs> proper merchandise. So if our listeners would like to buy blank merchandise, they can go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank and you can get, well, you can get a range of things, can't you? You can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs. What else? Baby grows? Baby grows. Because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of babies out there that love the blank podcast. Um, I know mine does. Um, and you can also get, the, we've got various um designs we've got one that's got our blank logo on uh, and then we've Mm -hmm. got two that are inspired by pod guests yeah one of them was inspired by rebecca callard who was on i think the eighth episode of the blank pod Mm. and hers was to do with her video collection which we were 
talked about at some length and we thought that what video library which was the video shop i worked in back in the 90s was an excellent name for a romantic <laughs> band of the 1980s <laughs> yeah and then you made this uh, this great uh, what looks like album cover of you and me with um hair from flock of seagulls um so we mm-hmm. thought you know what let's make that into a design so you can get that on t-shirts and hoodies and, and sweatshirts and then we've got one that's inspired by sanjeev baskar when he talked about the three different stages of blank fearful blank neutral blank and happy blank and we've turned that into a design as well so um we've got various uh, designs that people can can get um and in different colors as well I'm, I'm very excited by this charles i'm really excited it feels like we're a proper thing now it does indeed um so if our listeners would would like to buy some merch um the t-shirts for example are 18 quid um the hoodies are 27 quid uh the tote bags are 17 quid and mugs are 15 quid and of course we do get a small cut as well of of everything that's sold so if you'd like to support the pod um then you can do it in this way and you'll get yourself some exclusive blank merchandise so go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank um i've got a question actually um that just sort of popped up um at Sylvia Young's, do they, do they offer is it like emotional support? Because obviously like you're young and you're going into an industry where like it is tough and there's a lot of rejection and you could not be working for ages and all that. Is, do they like prepare you for that? Not, not really. I suppose like it is quite tough there as a school. It, like I say, I say tough. It's it's got it's amazingly like vibrant you know and there's and there's people everywhere and there's such big personalities and and everyone feels really comfortable to be who they are and, and express themselves and that's a great environment to be in as a kid but then it is tough and it is um it is regimented and really disciplined and they have kind of philosophy there that if if you're here and you go out working and you're representing the school and and even if you're 12 years old, if you're a professional, then we're going to treat you like a professional, yeah. And so they they used to be like super strict on uniform and and lateness and all that kind of stuff, purely because they don't they they want you to be ready, and and that's the way they see the industry is going to be for you. And so why not prepare you for that? And um, like Sylvia, who, who's who's still um, still still alive and still works at the school, as far as I know, like. Um, she's like got this zero tolerance policy of like stage school brats like yeah she just uh she just won't have it because i think she's worried that that is a kind of uh um like something that would be synonymous with like theater school kids that they kind of get very arrogant and bratty and she just won't have it mm. and uh i actually remember my dad when i was at the school he said oh i just saw a newspaper article that like where sylvia had been interviewed and he, i still remember this quote because the interviewer said to her, like, do you ever get kind of like stage school brats? And she's like, yeah, sometimes we do, but I gently squash them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, that's probably, uh. that's probably what it was really. You're just, you're probably gently squashed into being like a, a young professional, I suppose. But, uh, but that makes it sound like, sound like the army. It really isn't like, it's a very fun place as well. No, uh, but I guess I you that. need some of that grounding, don't you? Because like you say, when you go out, you might, you know, you might, Obviously, if you if you think you're the big guy I am or whatever, and you're going, you maybe get a few roles and you start to get there. But th- at some point, you might get, you know, you're going to yeah. get rejection, you're going to get hit down to earth, and you need to be able to deal with that stuff. Yeah, for sure, it's it's completely inevitable. Like, um, uh, no matter how far I think you progress in in this line of work, and I haven't progressed particularly far. I'm you know still at the, at the start, I suppose. It 
it never stops. You know, that's just a, a reality that is is there. Um, and it's I always think of it as like it's like snakes and ladders. You know, you you climb three ladders and then you hit one snake and you you're back down uh, to where you started. And um, and those are the realities. And so the the sooner you kind of get to grips with them, the better, I think. And that was a really good foundation. I, mean, I remember when I was there, like, I had some really big disappointments where I came close to something that that could have been quite significant or really exciting and I and it and it didn't happen and it was like a really heartbreaking thing but it's, that's a great like um lesson for you yeah that's that's a great um experience to go through and it probably toughens you up and and just you know teaches you that, that that's the reality of the, of, of the game really like it's an oversubscribed profession and and sure you've got to be in it to win it but there's a lot of people who who want to win it and um and it's just it's just the way it is you know yeah it's um it's one of those industries where it's like it's it's hard not to take things personally because it often is personal yeah, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's not sometimes you walk in a room and you don't look right for whatever reason but sometimes it's like you know they don't, they don't want you specifically um and so yeah, you do have yeah. to, to deal with that you sound like you're speaking <laughs> oh please me. <laughs> i keep choosing industries where vague and charismatic I keep, I keep, is not always I needed career, i change my career every like couple of years and i keep choosing industries with so much rejection, I don't know why I keep yeah. doing that. I just need to be like an accountant, like my dad or something. Um, something a bit easier. But yeah, I think it is. Um, as you said, there's so many people that I think because uh, I do comedy, obviously, and like my agent started putting me forward for like little TV bits here and stuff, and and, and I haven't got anything yet. So obviously, rejection has happened a lot. Um, but there are lots of people, so I try to remind myself that I might feel crap after that, not getting that part or after bad audition, or whatever. But there's also hundreds of people that feel the same. And weirdly, it's quite comforting to think that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, I think. Um, you've got to always try and keep things in perspective, you know, because it's such a cliche to the point where it's almost annoying, but, like, people really are on their own path, like, and, and there isn't a kind of a go-to way of, there isn't a conventional way of finding your route into success um, because it happens... It, completely differently for everyone and everyone found their own kind of way there and and everyone gets uh, everyone hits brick walls and will be like knocking their head against those brick walls once they reach them you know um and so it's something that you have to constantly remind yourself of to not compare yourself to other people and and to try and kind of just stay focused on your own um on your own progress i suppose and and, and try and take stock as well it's like it's like what we were saying about gccs or a level was like Mm. It's, it becomes a really difficult thing to go oh actually you know what it's I'm, I'm happy that that happened and that's a good thing and because you're you're so inclined to always look forward and go what's next yeah probably because there's that uncertainty if you don't know what the next thing is you know and so you're desperate to find it and for it to kind of materialize but um you know i i, I listened to a a podcast with an actor recently um who i really like and he said um you've got always always, always try and be happy but never content and I think that's a good way of being, you know, um, you've got to be able to take stock of, of what's going on and, and the positive things that are happening, but then always, you know, still try and strive for more. Cause otherwise if you, if you reach that ceiling then what's the, what's the point anymore? You know? Yeah. Um, what but, are you like in those moments though, when, when, you know, when you've hit a bit of a wall, when you, you know, if things aren't quite going how you want them to. It can be, it can be tough, like for sure. Um, thankfully I think, a lot of actors are friends with actors. And so the people you go and look to for support and guidance also happen to know exactly how it feels. Mm. Um, and they can, 
and they can help out. And also, you just got to remember, it's not the end of the world. Like you know, as you know, we're not we're not coal miners. You know? <laughs> we're like at the end of the day, we just want to do this thing because it's, it's something. You know, I do it for free. You know, mm. I'm really hugely lucky that the thing that is my hobby, the thing that I love doing, is also the thing that occasionally people will pay me to do. You know, um, like what. A, what a joy that is like not everyone has that yeah and so just you know there's always there's always another audition it's like it's like it's like fishing as well because no one no 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 fisherman who who does fishing as a hobby goes out every day expecting to catch a fish they go out because it's something that they it, it enriches their life maybe they do it with a friend it's, it's part you're part of a community you're part of something and uh and then if you get a fish then that's a bonus you know <laughs> and uh and you and it's the, it's the other moments it's the down moments when you when you're not catching anything and things aren't going your way that you probably learn a few more lessons anyway that's a really nice analogy unfortunately i'm also terrible at fishing um but, <laughs> but, but that is a lovely analogy that works really well um and i liked what you said a bit, you talked, talked about success a minute ago and as you said that i was thinking like i try and frame I find success like a sort of an interesting word, but I try and frame it as it means different things to different people. So, because sometimes you exactly, feel like, man, oh, yeah. I'm not progressing at all, or I'm not, you know, I'm not successful, I'm not where I want to be. But someone else looks at you and think, oh, he's done this, 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 and this. Yeah. He's doing exactly. really well. And I look at other people sometimes and think, they're doing really well. And then I might see them send a tweet saying, oh, I'm struggling at the moment. I think, but you're killing it. Like, yeah, it's, it's all exactly. perspective. And especially on social media as well, that's a killer for it as well. Everyone's got this um distorted idea of the way other people's lives are and and um and it's it's almost never that way i think or hopefully it's not you know? <laughs> but, but uh but i think yeah and I, i've kind of realized that recently kind of uh like kind of reflectively on, on myself like because obviously towards the end of last year I, I was in this show that came out and was on on telly and you know that's like an objectively exciting thing i think that i that is I'm really glad happened and and, and I'm, I feel very lucky that it's happening to me and, and you, you try your best to not be too overwhelmed by it and to enjoy it which was a was, was a challenge as well to be fair but to to a lot of other people I think you then if I if I you know if I am saying like posting about it on Instagram or something like that which I don't do all that often but you know I do now and then if, if the show is on and stuff like that then then people might look at you and think oh you know you know living the dream which to an extent um as i say it is what i i'm glad it's happening but like i was saying to my friend the other week like i'm still in lockdown <laughs> i'm like i'm i'm still just sat here in my trackies living with my parents like like my life isn't particularly exciting right now like um and obviously i'm still a lot more fortunate than 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 others and and um I'm counting my lucky stars that I was able to get that job done before mm. this year and everything like that. But um, like Instagram and all that kind of stuff would have you believe something entirely different. Like I'm, yeah. like I'm, uh, you know, living some kind of hedonistic sort of uh, fun <laughs> lifestyle. And it's, I'm just, yeah, just sat around there, you know, the same as everyone else. That's, it's a bit that, of a rubbish. The problem with Instagram is like, I, cause I think I always think I should post a bit more, like it could be good for work and whatever. And then I go yeah. like, do a story and I think, I've done nothing today. My life yeah, is yeah. so boring. Yeah. I can't even think of a 15 second video. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've done yeah. nothing. How do these influencers like churn out this content? Like, oh. I just don't get it. 
hats off to him to be fair yeah. i don't have a clue <laughs> and also I, just, I i struggle with it in general and it's something i've had to kind of coax myself into doing a bit more and 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 kind of force myself to be a bit more comfortable with it because kind of like that like my 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 base idea is like why would anyone care yeah, <laughs> like, like like who cares about what i'm doing yeah. in my life you know um but like you say whether we like it or not it's, it's probably a part of our our jobs now to an extent or it can be if you want it to be but i, I suppose it could be as much it can be that way as much as you want it to be at the same time yeah. but um i'm trying to find some kind of happy medium mm, me too i suppose yeah, too. yeah are there demands on you for that kind of stuff though from you know production companies and stuff when you when you've done a big project like you know like industry for example which is obviously you know it's bbc hbo it's a big mm. a big deal um with regards to the production company is there a, yeah is there a slight demand on you to do there's not, ne- like there's, not there's not necessarily like a, a contractual demand but there is like a a bit of a nudge i suppose mm. you know mm. and and you've got uh people around you good people as well not not these aren't like cynical people these people that are no, just no. doing their jobs as well that are kind of encouraging you to kind of um just you know share share the news and, and publicize the show and 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 be a part of um people seeing it which makes sense really it's not a mm. it's not a crazy thing to think and um and i think it's difficult like i think actors struggle with it and i struggle with it as well and sometimes i look at other types of artists like you know you wouldn't get a, you'd never have a painter who would paint a painting and then never look at it you know mm. um like and it's and i find it difficult sometimes watching myself back on on screen especially um because it's just an awkward thing to do but then also I, I I kind of don't want to, I try not to be one of those actors who hates it and like will walk out of a room because, uh, you know, that'd be a shame, I suppose, like, you know, to, to not have any appreciation of um, something that you've worked really hard on and you had a really good time making. You should be able to try and enjoy it. But, um, so as I say, it's all been a bit of a learning curve for me, especially over the, over the last few months, because it's been all of those things on a, on a level that I've never experienced before. And, and it's been a pretty quick learning curve and I've had to kind of, uh, I suppose, work out the way I feel about those things. But um, as I say, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a good balance, I suppose. Yeah. I was going to say, have you, have you enjoyed that that extra notoriety? Uh, I mean, it gets, it comes, with, <laughs> you know, it comes with, it's good. I guess there's pros and cons to it, aren't there? Yeah, exactly. Like, like if someone, you know, if someone sends you a message saying they really enjoyed the show like 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 yourself at the start of um the start of this saying that you liked it like that's that's never not going to be a, a nice lovely thing it's you know as i say especially because all of us the, the main cast in the show were so young like we really like gave it our all and it was it was such a big deal to us and it was such a an important thing that someone had kind of given us the chance to be a part of something this huge you know so we really kind of put our heart and soul into it so the fact that then someone does like it it's great you know and so that's always going to be nice. There's other sides of it that aren't as nice and become a bit kind of intrusive or weird. Like, like when I when the show first came out, I had people sort of like um, impersonating me on WhatsApp and they got hold of some of my contacts and things like that. And oh, like, shit, and I, like to be fair, that's just me. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure people who are much more uh, uh, have much more notoriety than I do have it a lot worse than that. But even weird things like that, it's kind of you, you do realize that these are maybe some of the things that you sacrificed in that kind of process, you know? Um, but yeah, as I say, it's just, you sort of make peace with it and, and, and focus on all the, all the positives that it's, that it's brought into your life and, and, um, 
and yeah, and just try and just try and go with it, I suppose. Yeah, I'm always surprised by the lengths that people will go to on social media to be a twat. And I just don't, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Like, because it must, there's an awful lot of energy yeah. goes into being yeah, a twat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, with stuff like, yeah, with stuff like that, it's, you do think, like, you are going out of your way for yeah. that. <laughs> like, uh, it really puts an effort Getting into the that. extra mile, yeah. Yeah, mile. you're wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's strange, but you know that's that's the way it is. That's the um that's the nature of the beast, I suppose. It does, yeah, yeah. I mean, Charles, obviously, you have a, you know you're a big social media following, and like your followers are normally very positive. I know you said sometimes people can be a bit negative on them. Unfortunately, social media has now left me a little bit um, cynical. So if someone sends me a message or a nice message or asking for something nice to help with something, my first thought was always is this trolling and if, if i if, well, ask him if i say something nice to you oh, i can't man. think of anything like that sometimes people so like, well, ask, yeah. ask for a... i really love your comedy oh, <laughs> this must be <laughs> oh. my comedy's shit mate there you don't it's rubbish yeah, yeah. come on everyone knows it's shit <laughs> nice try mum but no i just i don't know sometimes i feel like uh yeah i'll happily do it but like if are they sending me up? Is someone going to like learn take the piss out of me? Yeah, then, I, yeah. then I think, well, if the, mm. what's the worst? If what's the worst thing that happened? The worst thing that happened is I tried to help someone, or I retreated someone saying something nice. Like it's not. I don't think even if other people are being dickheads, I don't think it reflects badly on you if you were then trying to be nice in return. Like do you know what I mean? Even yeah, if no, even if it ends so. up being trolling and they and they make you try and make you look a bit silly, I don't think it's ever silly mm. to be sort of nice and kind. I guess that's the no, point. I think yeah. I was trying to get to. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you're always on safe ground there, I suppose, and and um, yeah. and that is the you know that is the bonus of it as well. If, you know, if people do reach out and send you a message, you can respond, you know, and and say thanks, and and have a kind of um, a dialogue in that sense, and and that's a real plus. It's mm. cool, man. Uh, how did that particular project come about? Did you audition, or was there? Were you headhunted for it? No, yeah. So I, it's sort of regular channels, I suppose. Like, um, so I, like, w- way after Sylvia's, like, I went and went to college and, and I went to drama school and, and came out and, uh, you know, did three years of drama school and then just started auditioning and I, 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 afterwards. And, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was, I, in fact, I just had, it was, it was, must have been the back end of 2018. I had, like, some really, rubbish rejections like three not on three on the spin oh, really? where like oh, it had been i kind of come close to it and it was just before christmas of 2018 and the last one it was my last audition of the year and it was something i was really really passionate about and i really desperately wanted to get um because i knew it was going to be a good thing like and and it, it did end up being a good thing as well. <laughs> and but but like and it, so I, I didn't get it and i went i went home and just really dejected as as, as is the way i suppose and then um and then came back and and actually, God, he's getting some serious name jobs in this. But then Jake, the the Britain's Got Talent kid, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, listen, he was uh, he was living in Spain uh, at the time because he was just sort of taking like a like a, a gap year, I suppose. He just went to live in um, in Seville for a year, and I hadn't seen him in a while. So I just and the flights were so cheap, I just went out and stayed with him for like a week. And I, in January, by the way great time to go on holiday is january because it's mm. not that we can now obviously but um it, it really like lifted my spirits to spend some time with him and in some in, in, a, in a nice place i've never been before so then i kind of came back for the new year kind of rejuvenated and and on the flight back from spain i got this like script through for this play that i read this little play in london that i'm 
managed to uh, like end up booking and, and did that and it was a really lo- I had a really lovely time doing it and around the time that I was doing this play I started auditioning for this thing called industry um and I did like one or two tapes and and then they they didn't really come to anything and um but then my you dude self tapes where you yeah I th- in fact I think I did my first self tape for it in December actually the year before mm. when everything was going rubbish <laughs> and uh, but I didn't hear anything back and then and so I was I was just getting on with this play and then my agent my very clever agent uh tried to bring a few casting directors to to um this play that i was doing and uh, she brought the casting director who's uh casting industry um and they came to see it and i think they enjoyed it and i had a little chat with them afterwards and i think that kind of jogged their memory a little bit um and they probably went back and looked at my tape or something like that and so the following week i ended up back in the room for industry which i sort of something that i thought was long gone you know and um and then from there, kind of managed to kind of stay in the loop and and probably end up doing about five or six auditions for it in the end, wow. um, which kind of resulted in like a a chemistry read sort of screen test. Up in Cardiff. Say, do they get more intense as you go on? I guess you're just doing yeah, you, you script reading. Are you yeah, you start, you start yeah, you you do more more scenes and you meet you gradually meet more and more significant people. You meet the the writers and then producers and directors and stuff like that. And each time it seems like a new uh, a new challenge, I suppose. Mm. A new, like a level up, I, I guess. And it, yeah. and it eventually ended up in in Cardiff, which is where we eventually shot the show. But we did like a screen test out there where they got um, other potential uh, candidates, I suppose, for the for the roles as you call it. You know, other actors, and and they kind of put some of us together and tried out some combinations, and and that was the kind of last last round. And then yeah, eventually heard after that that I managed to managed to get the part, which which I just you know. Couldn't believe really. <laughs> I was yeah. I can I, say, what's that feeling like when you when you know when the phone goes? Or I don't know. Was it your agent ringing you up saying you got the wrong? Yeah, I like I was, I was for this one especially just because I've had I had I'd had those disappointments. Yeah, for TV stuff in December, and you don't, you don't want to let yourself get excited. Even by this point, you're trying everything in your power to not be excited about it because you know it's mm. just going to hurt more. And so, I, and in this one, I really genuinely thought I wasn't it wasn't going to get it i thought i knew the other guy it was me or this other guy and i knew who he was and he's a bit more experienced than me really lovely person as well but uh, and uh, famous for the rat scene in uh <laughs> yeah, <Harry Potter>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no i knew this other guy and i was just convinced i'd give it to him and you could think you know if it was me i'd give it to him and uh and uh, you know you like when you come out of drama school you you, you do just spend all your time trying to convince people that you're that you're ready and it's a really exhausting thing trying to you can't, you, you feel like you want to shake people saying i i really think i can do this and then mm. and then so when yeah when someone eventually uh agrees it's uh yeah it's just you never forget it it was a, it was a, it was a great mm. it was a great moment and uh yeah it was, it's a lovely it's one of the nicest parts of the job you know because that that day when you get a job no matter how big the job is the day when you get that call nothing can then spoil that day it's just the nicest day you know and um mm. Yeah, it was it was good. Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed, uh, Giles. I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments, based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments 
all our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time to tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition. And yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless. Yeah, so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod. So whether it's uh, public failure, social anxiety, fear, mental health, grief, all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and those guests include Louis Theroux, David Harbour, Reggie Hunter, Dawn French, Rachel Paris, Amanda Abington, John Ronson, Rufus Sewell, Gary Lineker, all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments. And what we've done is we've dived into them, um, explained how we relate to them, talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us. And we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us. Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstones.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. It's a really, uh, it's a weird industry, isn't it? Where you're, you're not trying to get excited the whole time about yeah. exciting <laughs> things like that. Yeah. There's no other industry really where that happens. Yeah. Like if, if you're, you know, if you're a, I keep going back to accountant, don't I? <laughs> Clearly, it's in my There's brain. There's not a lot of things to get excited yeah, about. Yeah, no, but have you, have you been know. doing your self-assessment today? Or <laughs> you know what? Actually, I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did mine a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I've done mine. Oh, no, yeah. Actually, I need to actually pay it. Um, <laughs> handing your homework in late. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate doing my self-assessment so much. It's just... Oh, it's a ball ache, isn't it? Yeah. I actually just... When I whenever I like submit it, I always think it is actually it is like homework. That's true. I just think uh, I bet there's so many errors in that, but I just don't care now. I'm just yeah. gonna do it and see what happens. And then yeah, yeah. If I don't, if if I pay, it, don't hear that, from that, them, that. It's probably fine. I, I hope I didn't tick the tick the box that said yes, I do tax avoidance schemes. So every year, yeah. I think, who is ticking that box? <laughs> Who's admitting to tax avoidance? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a weird box to put. In. Uh, we got the we yeah. got the, the old tax avoidance. It's a very honest um, criminal. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that was that problem with doing criminal activities i was too honest um but it is it's 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 a weird industry where you have to sort of keep your emotions in check for that kind of stuff even though and you're right about like you know no, nothing can ruin that day after that but trying trying not to be excited trying not to get too high to be then yeah. sort of brought down by it yeah. even though it's that it's something that happens all the time yeah and you got like you i remember you go through like phases of like trying to man like micromanage that feeling so everyone I think at a certain point after you've left drama school, everyone's talking about like jinxing stuff. Like you know, like the like the seven year old yeah. thing of like don't jinx it. That suddenly becomes like a big part of your professional <laughs> life. So like, you go on an audition, and then your friend be like, "How are you going?" You be like, "Don't jinx it." <laughs> like, you can't do that. And I went through like so many phases of that. Like I for for a while, I even did this really stupid thing where like every time I went to an audition, I'd walk out 
after it, no matter how it had gone and the script that I had, I'd then find the nearest bin I could near the place, near the place that I was auditioning and put the script in the bin. Cause I thought that's a good, like, like visual symbol of like, it's, I've done it yeah. now. It's gone. Like, I can't think about it. No matter what happens, it's in the bin. And then that, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> like, I was still thinking about it. And annoyingly, if you were lucky enough to get a recall, you have to go and bloody print it out again. So I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, had go, <laughs> I had to go back to like Ryman's again and spend another like five quid printing this script. So, and eventually I, I, I realized like, you know what? There's no such thing. Like you, you're either lucky or you're not. And yeah. you, can do, you can do all these little suspicious things to try and uh, not suspicious, superstitious things to try and, yeah. um, as I say, micromanage that situation. But at the end of the day, it, it, it's, it's going to go for you or it won't. And, and you, you have no control over that. Well, yeah. And also you've gone and you've done your bit. Like I, I often think sometimes like, Oh, if I did that audition like a week later, would I do anything different? Probably yeah. not. Like yeah. you probably, yeah. you do your bit. Mm. You are you, you look like yeah. you, you got your mannerisms and yeah. it, it's, it's either yes or no, but it's yeah. not. And that's something worrying over. Yeah, my dad would always say you just got to try and. Uh, I think he'd always try and he'd say it about football where you got to try and control the controllables, you know, and, and um, yeah, take responsibility for everything that is that is your department. So make sure that you turn up and you're you're the you're the best you can be, and and you've you've done the work, and then you can you know it's a cliche, but then you can walk away knowing that that, that was it, you know, and that you couldn't have done any more. And and sometimes that won't always go the way because things will go against you, and you'll you'll have bad luck, or whatever. But um, yeah, just do everything that's take responsibility for yourself, really, and then and bring yourself to it, and then what will be will be, I guess. Yeah, that is true. I was interested about you. You said earlier about the um, how you like the the being the sort of the being in a team, like the ensemble, and obviously, yeah. you know, industry is a you know a big ensemble of characters and and you know a big cast. Was that was that nice as well, having that big family? Around yeah. you? and obviously younger people like you that have you know doing doing their first big roles as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was the best. It really was. Like, because um, like we were saying earlier about this this trading floor set that the show's um, l- largely kind of based in, um, <clears throat> like because of the nature of that, it's it's quite rare for a TV show where all the main characters are in the same place all the time. So mm. and and logistically with the way that would work, filming wise, is if there's a scene at another desk, even if like my character is not relevant to that scene whatsoever. I actually still have to be there on the day just in case the camera sees me in the background because yeah. it would be weird if the main characters were never yeah, there. Yeah. But the scenes that they went in, <clears throat> yeah. So it was this constant thing of like, uh, like significant uh, parts in the show were just kind of doing background work all the time, um, and that might sound like a bit of a drag. And sometimes it was like you, you know, I would do like twelve-hour days on set in scenes that I just wasn't in and wow. you're just kind of pretending to type away on your computer, <laughs> like pretend, <laughs> pretending to know anything about banking basically. And so, so you're like kind of a main role and an extra. Yeah. In, the same in, in a way. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and you know, we, on that, we, we had also had 80 extras, 80 like supporting artists who were all doing that mm. with you as well. And, um, but then because of that, it was kind of like really strengthened the, relationship between everyone because everyone is spending so much time and actual workplace together and we had this really like you say it's such an ensemble show we had this really wonderful mixture of, of actors of different ages and different experiences and, and backgrounds and it was a real like hodgepodge of people but it just kind of like worked and we did we always went for dinner together and spent all so much time together and like and it was great for us as as like uh, like you say as younger actors because all the all 
all the older guys were just great and and always happy to kind of share advice and, and stories. Mm. Like that's one of my favorite parts of the job as well. You find an actor because actors don't mind telling a few stories as well. <laughs> like, so, so, yeah, uh, we've met a few on this. Podcast. Yeah. So, so like when and I don't mind I don't mind listening to them as well. So when you yeah. find an actor that's got a good few ones, you're happy to hear the war stories, you know. And um, <laughs> and it, to be fair as well, some of those older actors would say to us like it's not normally this good, you know, like people don't normally get along this well. And that's when you kind of know, like, oh, we have struck lucky here. The fact that mm-hmm. we're having such a fun time and, and everyone's really kind and, um, and everyone's, you know, pulling in the same direction. There's no divas or anything like that. That's amazing. Um, Again, okay, no, I was thinking about a football team, as you were saying. Now, I've got to stop going back to football. Is my, it's literally my only reference point. Yeah. Um, but I think that's really nice. And, um, you know, in a dream world, all jobs would be like that. But does that help as well, having that kind of camaraderie when maybe things aren't going so well on set or you forget your lines or you're blank or something like that? I guess having people that are on your side rather than you feel like, oh, this guy hates me already and now I'm like screwing this up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you've always got those people to kind of fall back on and, and as I say, go to for advice or support or, and, and especially for us in terms of like the, the like the, the few leads in the show, like, we're all new to the game as well. And we're all pretty fresh out of drama school, just like they are in the show. Like, just like the characters are, they're all you know, fresh into this new bank and they don't know what to expect. And that was very much us. We were very kind of green, you know, it's a whole thing. And uh, because of that, all like four of us were in the exact same scenario. And we were all kind of feeling the same, th- maybe at slightly different points, but generally going through the same experiences, you know? And um, so that was a great comfort and, yeah, it's, it's, it's as I say, it's one of the best things about being an actor uh, is being part of a team. I like, I as a comedian, like, do you find how how do you kind of find that? You know, it's so much more of a solo kind of endeavor. It is a bit, yeah, it's a bit like you. Like, you, you, I've got friends in there, so like, there's, I mean, when gigs were a thing, you know, you yeah. a bad gig and you're driving back. Just for lockdown, I had a, re- I know. <laughs> I had a really like interesting one in a uh, Bristol rugby club, which was very interesting. Bristol um, rugby club sounds like it wasn't. This isn't anything against Bristol's own. I think it's quite. Charles, it sounds it like it might be quite club. rowdy. It was a Bristol rugby club. So it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, no, no, wasn't the top. Wasn't the good one. You did, was, I didn't hear the A bit at the beginning. No, it was just a, a Bristol Bristol I mean, rugby club. And I was emceeing as well, and it was oh my god, it was it was tough. It was it was a it was a learning curve. I mean, they, they actually really enjoyed the night in the end, and it was okay. And I hope that got back to my agent but um yeah that you I, I quite like actually when when you're starting out in comedy you're, you're often driving bigger acts to shows and stuff and you're like you're the support at doing 10 minutes and you're driving the headliner these days if you're doing sort of opening 20 or closing 20 or or, or emceeing or whatever you'd, you'd normally drive yourself i can I, I, I quite like that actually i quite yeah. like being with my thoughts like up to the gig listen to the music prep, and, listen prepare, to the yeah. and on the way back if, I'm, if it's a two or three hour drive home, I can sort of go over it um, again, like when I play football, go over it and think about what I've done and stuff. And um, there, there is a if you do if you do a bad gig, there is definitely sort of team spirit with the comedians. Like right, four yeah. or five of you, it's like right, we're going to get through this together. So right. I'd imagine like sort of like being in the trenches. Like that's a terrible comparison. I'm probably like, <laughs> never, I've never, I've never even been in the fighting school. Um, yeah. But like there's definitely a sort of like let's get through this together kind of spirit thing but um i think you have to be someone as well that's comfortable being on your own i think and being yeah, with your own sure, thoughts. Yeah. and um yeah you certainly don't have as much camaraderie day to day i don't think that you would do you know 
being an actor on set. It's a, it's a weird one. And at the moment, it's not even happening. So I don't even... I can't even die in Bristol at the moment. You know what I, mean? this, this, I dream of dying even, in Bristol. I dream of getting heckled by rugby yeah, fans yeah. in Bristol. That would be amazing. But no, it's it's a weird one at the moment. Um, yeah, I bet. But all you know, all entertainment is is an interesting industry. You know, whatever arm you go into, acting or or, or comedy or presenting or whatever, it is a weird industry. Mm-hmm. But also, as you said earlier in the chat. It is almost something you would do for free as well. So yeah, even when you're having yeah. those bad times, like just to remember, like I, you know, I plugged away for ages just trying to get five minutes on stage for nothing. Yeah, you know, I would do this for anything. So you do have to check yourself. I remember the first time I got paid to do comedy, and I think literally think it was ten pounds, might have been fifteen, and I it felt like I'd won the lottery. Like it felt yeah. like someone just gave me a million quid. Mm. I couldn't believe it. But they paid me to be on stage and talk bollocks for ten yeah. minutes. Like, I couldn't believe it. And then as you go on and do more and more, you sort of get a little bit more, you treat it like a job because it is a job, but you yeah. do, I think you lose sight of that sometimes that yeah. you're doing this crazy thing you love. So yeah. and you, you take the sort of rough and the smooth. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, and you, I think you desperately try not to, you desperately try to, to keep hold of that kind of innocence with it, I suppose, and, yeah. and not let it be kind of, you know, um, get mixed in with, with, with with the practical sense that it is a job and it, then sometimes it's useful to, to think of it as a job because then it, it, it kind of um streamlines things for you and, and makes it it's a bit more practical i suppose and you know sometimes it can be hard as well like it's you know as i say like we're we're not we're not miners and we're yeah. not we're not saving lives but like you know on on the, on a set you're often doing like 14 15 hour days hours, and yeah. and and that's kind of the way it is, and and um, and it's it can be high pressure, I suppose. Like you've got to you've got to be ready to do your thing when when people want you to do it. You know, ready to perform um, at the right time. And um, I, you know, I always think of it like being a footballer, really, because uh, as I said, like my entire childhood was based around football, and I was brought up around football. And, and my my brother works in football. He works for Bristol City, actually. And, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> 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 Maybe <laughs> um, no, but like i and so he, he knows like he has no connection to like the acting world whatsoever um he can't really relate to it in that that much but like i always find that speaking to him about it through football is such a great analogy for it because you know they're both pretty high pressure performance industries that like that like like we're banking as well like the, the high pressure high reward you know and mm. and um and uh yeah you're expected to kind of deliver at, at the right time but um but as you say you can't lose sight of that and and that was that was really one of the nice things about one of the lovely things really about being able to do a job like this i actually had a, a really nice chat not too long ago with um marisa who, who plays yasmin in the show and we were talking this year when when sort of lockdown got easy earlier on in the year uh, we met up for some some drinks for a friend's birthday and we were chatting and sort of looking back on on the show and stuff like that because it wasn't too long before it was coming out and um and we both said we didn't we didn't say it to each other at the time when we were shooting it but having this conversation we realized that like i said that we both thought the same thing at slightly different moments and it was this idea that like we we got there in terms of not that we've made it but we got there to the part where we actually get to do something as 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 kind of exciting and, and as big as this and there was a kind of real feeling of like relief as well just like mm-hmm. a, like a relief that not that you've that you've arrived there, but like a relief that it actually 
felt this good and was like this enjoyable and like yeah. and it was like it was like genuinely fulfilling as like a job like like oh wow i've really worked hard to get here and it, it actually feels great like i actually love going to work every day like what a relief that, that, like yeah. I don't, what a relief yeah. that i don't hate it you know what a relief that it really <laughs> genuinely makes me happier you know and yeah. um and that just makes you know that if anything more than anything else makes you want to chase more makes you want to get back on set and do more you know um yeah. so yeah that's amazing. That's a wonderful thing, actually, to to reflect on something and think, actually, that was everything that we'd hoped it would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think you can ask, like you say, you can't really ask for anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's brilliant. Well, Harry, thank you so much no. for talking to us this evening. Really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, I've got one more question. Okay. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Have you got a Cypriot team? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't really. Uh, the the big team out there is Apoel Nicosia, I suppose. And I did go to a few of their games. Um, I've been to a few Cypriot national side games before because um, they kept on for years. They kept on drawing Wales. <laughs> like, yeah, they in, did. It, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, what European like, qualifiers? Yeah, and European qualifiers. Yeah, like, yeah. Year after year, they kept on drawing Wales, and uh, <laughs> so it seemed like a good match to go and watch. So I've been to watch a few um, Cypriot national side games, but. Um, no, it's a different it's a different ball game out there as Cypriot football because like they've often had a few kind of there's a, there's a lot of politics involved and uh, mm. my distinct memory actually was I went to watch a game with my dad I must have been like seven or eight and uh, there was a night game on and um, it was quite a big game in the Cypriot league so my dad was like, oh let's go, you know go and have a look see what it's like and I uh, I had quite bad asthma as a kid and. Uh, Cypriot football fans, these blokes, they love a fag. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I was sat in the stand and like 360 degrees all around me. It was about <laughs> every single man was smoking. And uh, it's just like, a, I could barely see the pitch. It was just like a cloud of smoke. Oh. And uh, we had to leave a half time because I couldn't breathe. And, uh, oh, no. That's embarrassing, isn't it? But, uh, but yeah, so that's my, <laughs> that's my defining memory of Cypriot football, actually. Uh, I couldn't hack it. But, uh, so, yeah, not quite. <laughs> that's pretty uh, Yeah, not quite whole city, is it? Yeah, it's not, nah. quite, not quite the Tigers at the KC, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry, thank you so much, man. It's been really, really great mm. to talk to you. No, and, um, yeah, like I say, Big fan of industry. I recommend anyone to go and watch it. It's on iPlayer for quite a while, I think. So hopefully people can catch up if they haven't seen it already. But yeah, really loved it. And I look forward to seeing you in lots of other things. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Really enjoyed it. Well, there you go. That was Harry Lorty on the Blank Podcast. What a great guest. What a nice guy. Brilliant, brilliant guest. Like, again, I know we talk about doing these over Zoom and not in person, and it's great we can connect to people, but you could tell, even though over Zoom, someone with a really nice energy, just a really nice positive energy that, you know, would have been lovely to meet up with for a coffee. And, you know, maybe we'll go to a Hull City game at some point in the future when we're allowed to be together. But when we're um, both in the championship. We're <laughs> in Palace, we're inevitably back in the championship. Um, but, yeah, lovely guy. So, some really nice advice in there you know it's it's really refreshing for a, for a young actor to be looking at the you know the industry and the game so w- almost with an older head on his shoulders i thought he 
you spoke so well about it. I love the analogy about the fishing, you know, and uh, people that fish don't go all the time to catch something. And I thought that was a really nice way to Yeah, describe. and the snakes and ladders as well. Yeah. I thought that was a really good no, analogy he, um, as well. No, he yeah. had some really good advice in there. And um, I think he's going to have, you know, a fantastic career. And I wish him all the best because uh, mm. he deserves it. You know, a really nice guy. So thank you so much yeah. to Harry for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Harry. It was a great chat. And that's the end of another blank podcast, Jim. It is indeed. Um, we'll be back next week with another guest. We will. Of course, as we crack on into the second century of blank yes. podcasts. Oh, I tell you what, we've got some amazing guests lined up. We have. We're, we're so lucky to chat to these people and, um, you know, from different backgrounds, different industries, and um, they're all just an absolute joy to really spend time with. So, And people like it. Our, you know, our number's seem to be going up and we get more listeners all the time and we're number one in Cuba or whatever it was and you know people seem to really you know get on board of the pod so thank you if you if you're one if you're still listening to this bit of the podcast you're a legend thank you and yeah. um if you are new to the pod you know we we appreciate you taking time out to listen and and thank you very much every single listen to us really means the world it really does it really does and um yeah it's been lovely to hear from lots of new listeners so yeah so please keep spreading the word please do. and you can contact us as well oh seamlessly done um we're on twitter that's that's the, that's the main one we're on twitter and yeah. our handle is at blank pod but you can also contact us on instagram which is, and facebook which is also at blank pod yeah and you can email us if you like those sort of medieval types of telecommunications it seems really arcade doesn't it um yeah almost like texting you know what i mean i don't, I don't get I get text, oh, text. Now. I mean, like, oh. it's on um, WhatsApp now, isn't it? Exactly. If you're not on WhatsApp, what's wrong with you? Um, our email address is theblankpodcast2018 uh, at gmail.com. Yeah. Doesn't date us too much. No. <laughs> and that's it. Have a, look, have a wonderful week, Giles. And, uh, and you, Jim. Thank you, mate. And we'll, we'll see you next week. And same to our listeners. Have a great week, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And we'll see you again next week for another episode of The Blank Podcast. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.